Welcome to Meaningful Minutes, a podcast provided by Beautiful Outcome, where we are passionate about the adventure of creating lives of meaning. I'm your host, Julia Woods, and today we're going to talk about overcoming the enemy of me. The biggest enemy you'll ever face or deal with in life is yourself. Up until 10 years ago, I didn't give the enemy of me much thought at all. I was oblivious to the impact I was having on my own life, as one minute I was full of self-loathing, trying to be anyone but myself, and the next minute I was arrogantly exalting myself above, above others. I was walking around as an empty and confused contradiction of a human being. Both of these extremes were two sides of the same coin. They were both the evil in me wanting to be fed. As I ignored taking responsibility for the evil by not getting familiar with it, it was driving me. The best way I can explain what I'm talking about is through this Cherokee parable. An old Cherokee chief was teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside of me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, self-doubt, and ego. The other is good. He is peace, joy, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. This same fight is going on inside of you and inside of every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old chief simply replied, the one you feed. What this says to me is that by moment by moment, I am constantly choosing to feed evil or good in me. And if I am not intentional, I am automatically feeding the evil, as I don't naturally want to look at things like anger, regret, arrogance, self-pity, or inferiority. I'd rather ignore them and cover them up. And when I do that, it means I'm feeding the evil in me, and it's like mold growing in a damp, dark room. As I look back over the first 40 years of my life that I wasn't aware or thinking about this moment-by-moment choice that was going on inside of me at all times, I can definitely see how all those things were growing in me. However, as I've become more aware of this war inside of me, I'm paying attention and bringing awareness to the darkness inside of me. And as I do that, it feeds my white wolf. So today, I want to compare practical examples of what it looks like when I feed my black wolf, or am my own worst enemy, or when I feed my white wolf and choose to be my greatest ally. Since we're all humans, you may relate to some of what it looks like for me, and you may not. But my invitation to you is as you listen, 
allow yourself to shine the light on this war inside of you. Think about what it looks like when you feed the two different wolves. Because the more you become aware, the greater the power you have to choose moment by moment which one you want to grow. The approach I'm going to use today is to focus on my ego as the foundation of the exploration. When I look at the evil inside of me through the frame of what my ego wants, then I can much more easily see which wolf I'm feeding. Ego is best described as our need to look good, feel good, be right, and be in control. When I'm focusing on these four things, my attention is on me. And when life is about me, I stroke my ego. I want to be the center of attention. And I exalt myself above others, which is all ways I feed the evil in me. I easily blame, shame, and criticize others rather than taking responsibility for myself and my purpose. If I'm not stroking my ego, then I'm typically bruising my ego. Rather than focusing on myself, I'm focused on others. I'm taking responsibility for my actions and choices and how they're impacting what I say I want in my life. I'm learning and growing more of what's wanted and needed to have my vision turn out. As I bruise my ego, I feed the white wolf and grow things like love, joy, peace, hope, humility, and all those wonderful gifts that make a huge difference for myself and those around me. I become a friend to myself when I do that. As we move forward, I'll take each of the four elements of the ego and use them as frames to look through as I highlight some of my day-to-day choices and categorize them as either stroking my ego or bruising my ego. One thing to keep in mind is that when I am stroking my ego, I can be my own worst enemy as one minute I'm exalting myself above others and the next minute tearing myself down. So when you he- you'll hear a bit of both of those when I'm talking about feeding my ego. Notice they're both in there. It's both sides of the same coin. So let's start with the need to look good and what it looks like when I'm stroking my ego. When I'm focused on looking good, I am aware of people looking at me. I'm either imagining these flattering things they're thinking about me or making up ways they're judging me. I will go to great lengths to gain their approval and hear them say words like, you are pretty, you are a good mom, you're amazing, you are special, blah, blah, blah. When I'm needing to look good, I'm not present with who I am with, but rather I'm paying attention to me and what it will take to hear these flattering words or get a pat on the back. On the other side of my coin, my ego can feed itself by not being able to receive or give a compliment. I can inflict abusive actions on myself in order to look good, like in my younger days when my ego convinced me that binging and purging would help me look good as I starved myself. 
Another way I feed my ego is when I use other people to make me look good. For example, up until now, when I entertain the belief that I'm stupid, which most often comes up when I'm learning new things around technology, I, when I feed my black wolf, I get really stressed out. More absu- And then on a subconscious level, I somewhat know that people around me will come to rescue me, a.k.a. my husband. <laughs> I feel good that he rescued me from the embarrassment of exposing that I didn't know how to do something or I wasn't able to figure it out. But it's all momentary. It feels good in the moment. But long term, I continue to stroke my ego. So when I shift and I start to feed my white wolf by bruising my ego and I'm not focused on looking good, I interrupt my limiting beliefs about myself and I trust that I can figure out what I need. When I don't understand something, I take responsibility and I ask for help. If I need it, in turn, I grow my abilities and and respect those around me by letting them decide if they want to rescue me rather than manipulating them through my stress and anxiety. Rather than needing to look good, I don't think much about my appearance. Not to say I don't care about my appearance, but once I've gotten ready for the day, I don't think much more about it. I realize life isn't about me and what I look like. I am not derailed to find out that I have something on my face or something in my teeth. While years ago, that massively would derail me. Instead, I'm present with who's in front of me and the gift that they are. When feedback comes that exposes areas in me that I need to work on, I'm thankful for it and I learn and grow through it. When I'm feeding my white wolf, I'm willing to do things that may seem foolish to others, but my heart is telling me the possibility of what could come out of it is what matters. For example, my black wolf can be a perfectionist and not want to put things like podcasts, videos, or blog posts out until they've been quote-unquote perfected, which means very little content will go out. But when I'm feeding my white wolf, I'm willing to risk looking good as I accept that I am a work in progress and I'm learning as I go. I recognize the only one really expecting perfection from me is me. Now, let's look at the second element of the ego, which is my need to feel good. Starting with how I feed my black wolf or stroke my ego, A big way feeling good shows up for me is in my desire of cool aesthetics. I want things to look a certain way so that I feel good. I like a warm space with bright light and comfortable seating, soft music, good food and drinks, and fun people. This is my happy place with all the warm fuzzies that come along with it for me. I can easily judge and feel entitled that I need these things in order to thrive. I can tell myself that I need fashionable clothes and shoes. I need special food and perfect weather and all these wonderful things in order to feel good. It's easy to let these things dictate my mood. 
If I feel good, I'm happy and present. If I don't feel good, I can be grumpy and detached, blaming things outside of myself as the problem and excuse myself from taking responsibility for my choices. When I'm feeding my ego, I'm willing to go over budget, eat when I'm not hungry, and be very blunt using the excuse that it felt good to say that. The other side of the coin where I'm feeding my ego but being cruel to myself is it feels good to invite myself to be lazy and comfortable with not prioritizing my health. I come up with one excuse after another as to why I don't need to take my vitamins, exercise, go to bed on time, or eat healthy. It can feel way better in the moment to settle or become indifferent to my desires for, the, for a long and healthy life. Now, when I shift and I interrupt my gluttonous ego and feed my white wolf instead, I take responsibility for who I'm committed to becoming regardless of whether it feels good. I am willing to take responsibility for the desires of my heart and do the hard work of bringing them about. I'm able to appreciate whatever, wherever, and whoever I'm with. My attention is on others and the gift that is unfolding in that moment, regardless of whether I'm cold, tired, hungry, or don't like the aesthetics of our environment. And if those things are getting in the way of me being present, I can make requests so I get back to being focused on who I'm with rather than focused on myself. I can share my truth even when I am afraid it won't be liked or appreciated. As my heart leads me, I'm willing to say things that are uncomfortable and risk my reputation, my comfort, and breaking rapport for the possibility of something greater than myself. My white wolf invites me into the momentary discomfort of choosing responsibility for the long-term gain of experiencing my vision. As I look at the third part of my ego, which is one of the most powerful ones for me, which is my need to be right. As human beings, we love being right. What that looks like for me is wanting to always have the answers or the solution for other people's problems and telling them what they need to do. When I'm in an argument with my husband, I think he needs to be like me or do it my way because that is the right way (laughs) in my warped view and looking through my ego. I can confidently believe that my view is the only view and that if others have a different view, then they're simply confused, misled, uninformed, or deceived. And eventually, they'll come back around to seeing it my way. The other side of the coin is my ego likes to be right about what I am not capable of. I can be sure I'm right about not having what it takes or not knowing how to do something. When I'm feeding my black wolf, I can easily make myself right about everything from not being a good mom, to not being creative, to not desiring to have a voice, to being crazy to think that I can do my life work. When I see myself beneath others or above others, I know I'm feeding my black wolf and stroking my ego of wanting to be right. 
Now, on the other hand, when I'm bruising my ego by not focusing on being right, then I'm humble and I'm present in my life. I'm not looking at things from a place of right or wrong, but rather as an opportunity to grow and learn. I'm curious and open to new possibilities. I am generously listening for what I don't know, I don't know. I'm full of wonder like a five-year-old, ready to discover and make a fool of myself if needed to discover it. I'm looking for what I'm missing, what I'm not seeing, or where I'm deceiving myself. I am honestly assessing what is working, what isn't working, and what's wanted and needed to take me towards my vision. When I am feeding the gifts in me, I love proving myself wrong about what I have been sure I am right about. That brings us to the last element of my ego, which shows up in my need to be in control. Oh, control. It feels so good in the moment when I think I'm in control. It feels like life is in the palm of my hands and things are going to turn out just the way I wanted them to. Until they don't. <laughs> when I'm working to be in control, that perfectionist in me definitely emerges. Everything needs to look a certain way, perfectly how I wanted it to be. People need to say certain things and everything has to go in a certain way. I like to be the queen in my kingdom and everything needs to bow down to me as I am in charge. Ugh. This can show up in every area of my life, from how we spend money, to parenting, to how towels are folded, or how everything in an event that I may be in charge of needs to go. When I'm trying to control things, I can be very self-punishing and suck the oxygen right out of the room when that drill sergeant approach shows up in me. I stop seeing the gift of the people around me and instead start to objectify them like they are a means to an end, just spokes in my wheel and if they can't do it the way I want it to, then I'll find someone else. I can become indifferent to others, myself and my vision. Looking at how I stroke my ego isn't always fun, <laughs> and yet the great news is I get to choose. I can choose to bruise my ego by not needing to be in control. And when I do that, I recognize that control is a fantasy. Control isn't a reality outside of myself. It's just a fantasy world I like to live in. The only control I actually have been given the ability to create is self-control. When I take responsibility for me, I can authentically trust others to be responsible for themselves. When I'm not working to control or manipulate others, I'm clear in expressing my wants and needs. I make requests and enter into clear commitments with others.
I focus on relationships with myself and with the people connected to what is happening rather than objectify myself or others. I know that what wants to happen is so much bigger than I am, and my job is to offer my best and grow with others around me who are committed to do the same. It's really powerful to look at the difference between how I can be my worst enemy or my greatest ally as I decide which wolf to feed. When you compare stroking your ego to bruising your ego, what do you notice? For me, I notice the difference of how boring or fun my life is. My ego or when I'm being my worst enemy, I like to be comfortable, predictable, standardized, so I don't encounter surprises that might present me with uncertainty. My ego always wants to know what to do, what to say, or who I'm supposed to be in each moment in order to fit in. It wants to be completely prepared for each moment so I look good, feel good, do the right thing, and ultimately feel in control in all situations. My ego wants me to live in survival, recycling my past because it's predictable. I've already been there. I have learned how to survive the pain I've already experienced. Well, I don't know about you, but I've lived that life and it sucks. It is like Groundhog's Day as everything starts to unfold just the way it did the last time, and the painful events of my past keep repeating themselves. I wouldn't wish many of the events of my past on my worst enemy, and yet my ego invites me to recreate them for myself. In this way, I become my enemy. On the other hand, when I bruise my ego and grow the gifts inside of me, my heart longs for things that are new and different. I begin to get uncomfortable with the uncomfortableness of uncertainty. My heart absolutely loves surprises. I thrive as I show up one minute at a time, trusting myself and those I surround myself with to fully offer ourselves to what wants to happen. In this way, I fight for myself and I become my friend rather than my foe. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. My experience is that loving the enemy in me starts with my willingness to get to know myself, including the good, the bad, and the ugly. As I get to know myself, the more I'm willing to risk not looking good, feeling good, being right, or being in control by choosing to be present, which opens up this beautifully wonderful adventure of life. That adventure invites me into the cave I fear to enter, where in there lies the treasures of the greatest gifts of love, hope, possibility, creativity, and the unexpected magic and miracles that our favorite movies are made of. The best life ever 
emerges as I offer myself to the bigger story of this life that isn't about me and yet wants and needs me to be a part of it. Overcoming the enemy of me is a lifetime opportunity offered to me each moment I am alive. When you think about that opportunity in your life, what are you choosing right now? Are you your friend or your foe? Are you feeding your black wolf or your white wolf? Are you stroking your ego or bruising your ego? Only you can choose who you are becoming. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe and then share this podcast with a friend. For more resources or to contact me, please go to my website, beautifuloutcome.com. I look forward to connecting with you again soon.